Welcome to the USCCB First Freedom Podcast. I'm Aaron Weldon. And I'm Mary McCleskey. Uh, last month, or last December, Terrence Malick's latest film, A Hidden Life, was released. The film tells the story of Blessed Franz Jägerstetter, an Austrian conscientious objector, who was arrested and executed and ultimately declared a martyr by Pope Benedict XVI. Today, Mary and I are joined by our friend and colleague, Chris McCaffrey, to talk about this film. Yes, yeah, so the pro-life office exactly. taking over the podcast Chris, today. Yeah. Chris works with Mary in the pro-life office here at the USCCB. He is a graduate of Hillsdale College and the John Paul II Institute here in D.C. We also belong to the same parish, so just all, all worlds the are worlds coming together. Colliding. Uh, and Chris is often kind enough to join me for a cigar outside, so I often appreciate his company. We have oh. some good chats chats outside over over a cigar so chris thanks for coming up to talk with us yeah no problem <laughs> would we also say that chris is an armchair film uh critic i would not <laughs> you, you wouldn't say okay, okay you are today you're all free to say what you whatever you wish but <laughs> this is I gonna be not. this is gonna be a different type of podcast recording i would say right the listeners should be aware this is gonna be a little more we're mixing it up here we're doing uh culture and uh, it's different we and i would and i hope we this isn't the last time we do something like this because we have almost always done political type stuff or we do commentary on on like Supreme Court cases, which is fine, you know. That's I guess that's our bread and butter. But, but I think that there 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 are these sorts of like books, films, things like this that raise these sorts of issues. And so I think that it's good that we're doing this. So first, just before we even start talking about this particular film, I wonder if we could, if you would say, Chris and Mary, uh, th- and this will be one also where you're. It's kind of different because I'm being. First of all, for the listener to understand, I have not even seen the film we're, yeah. that we're going to discuss that Mary and Chris have. Um, and so it's not so much today going to be an interview, but we'll just be kind of chatting. So first of all, just Terrence Malick in general, are y'all fans? Chris, you're a fan. Mary, I had the impression you weren't so much normally a Terrence Malick fan, but can you say a little bit about yeah, are we starting with me or let's start with Chris? Let's let's hear the positive. Uh, yeah. Oh, I don't know. I, I guess I've only really seen one or two of his films, and oh, really? Yeah. Um, I certainly enjoyed parts of them and respected them, but I'm not normally overcome with praise <laughs> when I speak about Terrence Malick. But I think he's certainly very interesting. Um, what have you seen, and which, and what did you? What were you not overcome with praise for? Well, I saw, I've seen Tree of Life a lot. That was the the, Brad Pitt. Yeah. um, Everyone in college was very into Tree of Life. And so I had to watch it a lot. Um, (laughs) Okay. um, I I do. And what else? Um, I guess I've seen To the Wonder. With Ben Affleck, right? Probably. (laughs) Maybe? Yeah, that's That might have been the one where I started to watch it and I was like, Ten minutes and I was done. I was like, nope, I can't even. That was why. Know. Maybe that's why I thought that you weren't such a. It seems like any film I've ever recommended to you, you come back saying <laughs> <laughs> we didn't really care for that one. Well, then there was the one that I got the wrong movie and it was like a horrible western from the seventies or something. <laughs> no. But anyway, that's another yeah, that topic. Was a different one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I recommended Sorry. a movie, but like there are three movies that all oh. have the same name, and so she picked the wrong one, and it was. 
horrible. It was not it was very like good. B level anyway. Yeah, yeah. So sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but yeah. Well, I don't. I don't know if I have much more to say. I well, his style. If people, if some of the listeners haven't seen it, it's very um, ethereal. How mm-hmm. would you describe his style, Chris? Well. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you remember? It's it's um, imagine lots of swooping shots in from above, almost as if you're a bird, and it's lots of like very close in in tight in camera shots of people embracing their children with hair across their faces, and it's very um, I don't know. It's kind it, of imp- impressionistic in a way that like in the sense that there's not a lot of there, there's not a lot of dialogue off there's not mm-hmm. much there's not a lot of speaking some often and there's not much of a plot frankly like usually <laughs> like there or, or at least in the ones that i've seen like the narrative it's not narrative driven usually it's usually driven more by like trying to evoke a feeling mm-hmm. it's evocative right. and so yeah like there it, it there's these like it'll focus in on an image for a while almost like a painting like right. it'll Mm-hmm. Or there's the swooping shots, or people twirling around in fields. Um, <laughs> love that. <laughs> you love, love the twirling. twirling in a oh, there's a lot. There's of, some there's twirling, a lot of field twirling. But, but so and but at the same time, I think from the positive perspective of of Catholics and people who are concerned with the interior life, conscience, and all of that, he Malik does. I mean, it's almost like you go to a Malik film and you're meditating on the deep questions, right? Mm -hmm. Who is God? Who is man? What is the relationship between them? And it's so going, and usually they're longer films, Mm -hmm. at least two and a half, usually three hours, right? And I think A Hidden Life was almost three Three hours. hours. I thought it was about three. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's some frolicking in fields in A Hidden Life, Mm -hmm. definitely. Lots of shots of... um, the family at work on the farm, which was really beautiful. We can yeah. get into that later, but but a hidden life is a lot more accessible, I think, than certainly than Tree of Life, where mm-hmm. I watched that movie like you know three or four times, and I still didn't really know what was going on. <laughs> oh, really? It took me like a long time to really nail down exactly like who all the characters were, what was happening, what was mm-hmm. supposed to be like being communicated um, before I could really like plug into what I was supposed to be seeing. There's mm-hmm. definitely um, a more of a defined plot yeah. in a hidden life. A hidden life is like, it's very straightforward actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and not a ton happens. It's it's just like this very slow look at this man's march to martyrdom. The one thing I will say that I really like about him, at least in To the Wonder and Tree of Life, for my part, is that they those were both set in places that are like where I'm from, mm-hmm. and the way he kind of can depict these ordinary places in beautiful ways is something I re- like. It really did. To the Wonder is a film I probably wouldn't recommend to a lot of people. Like I don't remember, I don't remember it particularly well, but some of the shots from it I do remember. And so when I go back home, or like I'm driving, when I drive through West Texas or through Oklahoma. Uh, which is where that film is set. He does kind of help you see the world in a different way in some ways, I think, if you kind of get immersed in his film. So I I do appreciate that about him. About this one, though, synopsis, although there's not a whole lot that happens, but maybe just to say, just so we're all on the same page, what is it that basically happens? Well, the film opens with 
a little bit of a voiceover that sets up some things. Blessed Franz marries his wife. They begin to start a family. Um, what year is it set? 39? Oh, I'm not sure. Well, I have on this holy card, he was martyred on August 9th, 1943. So I don't yes. I don't okay. know exact about how long, you know, it spans the film. But... I think most of it only spans a few months. Oh, okay. But he he's called out to some military service where he's, he's trained in the Austrian army um, and then returns home. After the Anschluss, Austria becomes part of Germany and you begin to see pro-Nazi sentiment become more and more popular in the town. And there's a, there's a lot of scenes early on in the film of um, the sort of idyllic farming life of the family being interrupted by all of these radical racial animus and nationalism, political upheaval mm-hmm. um, sort of keeps interrupting into the life of the village and life of the family. Those were probably the mo- hardest scenes for me to watch, or I just imagine myself in their place. Like mm-hmm. there would be these scenes of, um, uh, what's the wife's name? Um, Fanny? Yes. Fanny. Fanny or, or Franz and the children, or the children would be nearby. They were, they would work as a community, which I'm not familiar with like how agricultural, you know, Austrian agricultural communities at the time, but they would be working together in the same field. Mm-hmm. And there would be these evil, just daggers thrown from the eyes of the people working around them. And there were multiple scenes where the the community was, um, uh, you know, pressuring them and excoriating them for, th- you know, that he had, that Franz had not signed his allegiance over to the right. Nazi party yet. And just the pressure that they faced to do that and the, from, from everyone. And it seemed, you know, how accurate that was, whether they were the only ones in the community that, that wouldn't, but, you know, here he is, this 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 male of you know, leader of his family and just and she got the pressure too and the children were exposed to that too. So it really just I just couldn't imagine being you know, a conscientious objector being um outcast, feeling like mm-hmm. an outcast, but yet still living in and needing these people for your very sustenance. Mm-hmm. You know, to to be part of a community but yet be so rejected by them in your daily life. Mm-hmm. It was yeah, it was very uh, hard and to watch. The real sticking point is Franz is eventually called to uh, military service again. And in order to enlist, he will have to sign an oath of loyalty to Hitler, which he refuses to do. And so it, he, it's very specific that this one thing is the thing that he cannot do. He feels compelled by his conscience that he cannot take this oath. And so eventually he... You know, he's, he's called to military service, and he goes, leaves the village, and they know, like, he's going to be arrested, and he is then put in jail. Mm-hmm. And the rest of the film is his time in jail, and then the family's continued life without him in the village, where they still experience a lot of animus. For Franz's position, while he's not there to help with all of the work of the house, and as he's in jail, they write letters back and forth, and that's a lot of this second part of the movie mm-hmm. that you hear. Like, don't you, we hear some of that in voiceover? Yeah, right. Yeah, and there was also a point at which Franz said to the authorities, "Okay, can't you?" He there was a little bit of a concession where he said, "Can't you assign me to duty to help in the hospitals?" Mm-hmm. Right. 
where and, it's a normal and, thing you do with conscientious objectors, right? Where he said, "Okay, I'll I'll do that. I don't want to fight necessarily, mm-hmm. right? But but I don't. But I still, even when I do that service, I just I don't want to sign this pledge, right? So he was trying to work around it because ultimately he just wanted to live, you know, serve his conscience, but be left in peace to be with his family when just things wants to farm. right. Well, so that was one of my questions was like, so he was willing to be enlisted in some way. It was just the, it's the oath itself yeah, that was too much. And that, I mean, that's one thing that's kind of fascinating when it comes to all of these sorts of stories, even today, which I'm definitely not comparing, say, like the little sisters to, of the poor with, with all their stuff with the mandate. But it often does... It, but in the end, all the, these things with conscience often come down to these symbolic types of actions. Mm-hmm. Where, and I think that people who don't understand where they're coming from are always like, who cares if you don't really mean it? Just go ahead and sign mm-hmm. the thing or right. just say the thing. It's not like you're not really going to have to do anything. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Just like sign a slip of paper or right. say a few words. And they're kind of – I don't know. It's, it's interesting – and that when you see, hear these stories from the past, it's always easy to sympathize with the conscientious objector. But the one in your own time, <laughs> most people don't, you know, like, and they never do. Like, we almost always right. look at the contemporary as somehow different, or we have some way of saying that they're different. Yeah, that's interesting. One. And I hate to... Well, I got to bring it up. So then also it's interesting to see how the um, the church was portrayed in this movie, mm-hmm. right? Because the, the priest, his parish priest in the community was actually encouraging him to sign the mm-hmm. pledge, right? And then there's even a scene where he meets with the bishop, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the bishop... But the bishop seems, at least as I recall, sort of just mournful about the whole thing and mm-hmm. doesn't seem willing to do anything. He's sort of like, well, what what would happen if I tried to help you here? Like, it would be bad for everyone. And, yeah, and then he doesn't appear again. Right. So it's kind of, that's kind of left up in the air. But I think with the parish priest, he's definitely, like, your family right mm-hmm. here. They're starving. You have to take care of them. That that's sort of a, a, a greater priority right. here for you as a father. So, I mean, one of the things I read in a review that pointed out why – telling stories like this is so important is there are often so many of these times in history where it does seem like most of the society goes wrong on some big question and we often want to say like well you can't hold the whole society to certain standards because everybody was Mm -hmm. saw things the wrong way but when you hear these stories you're like no actually there were some people who knew that (laughs) that this was the wrong thing and so it, it's sort of the mystery of like what it, mm-hmm. how was it that what was it about his life that was different or how was he formed differently well i so i in malik's treatment of in his life of of this is i think the propaganda mm-hmm. was it became very like not nationalistic because they were not considered resident citizens of austria but mm-hmm. citizens of of the nazi of german you know the great german the reich you know right the reich and so um, it was about that, you know, what's good for us, right, is what the Reich is deciding and he's doing this for our benefit. And they told the people in the community had bought into that. And mm-hmm. Franz Eggerstadter was like, uh, no, like I buy into my identity as 
you know, my my conscience and the concept of freedom and I disagree with this. And so I'm just trying to think of like the parallels of today. Right. And I think part of the message of the film that we can resonate with as Catholics today is what comes first before your, our faith comes first ahead of mm-hmm. being a citizen of the U.S. or being a member of a particular, you know, living in a certain state or being a Kansas City Chiefs fan or whatever it is, you know, that our faith comes first. Mm-hmm. So, and I also think to your question, Aaron, about the storytelling, I mean, I think it's good to keep into context that that this is Malik's story. This is his interpretation of events, right? So to the degree, I think as responsible consumers of culture, art, media, et cetera, like we have to remember that, right? So let the story inspire us, but at the same time, like what is the truth of what happened, right? Mm-hmm. So it's great to tell the story of his life, but also to remember like that, um, to let it inspire us, but to remember it's just that, right? Like there was creative license taken and not, not, not everything in the film is necessarily how things actually happened. Mm-hmm. So I think that's just important to remember. And that Jesus told parables, right? And there were many different meanings to those parables. And just to kind of keep that in mind. Well, that's what in a story like this, it is there is this sense of like, it's just those few that did seem to recognize that something was wrong. Like whether it's, and not just Catholics, I mean like the confessing church, for mm-hmm. example. Like it's just, it is, it's just an interesting thing to go back and, and reflect on sometimes of like why, wh- how are they formed differently intellectually mm-hmm. to have not bought into to this? Because like you're saying, it's not, if you frame it as everybody knew it was wrong and just went along with it, that makes right. it seem like it was like a lack of courage that was the problem. It's not the case that it was a lack of courage. Right. It was often that people really thought this was good, that that, I mean, that they sincerely believed right. some, that that they were really taken in Mm -hmm. yeah and so that and you know you you wonder about like how is it that these people they see something that everybody seems to miss and you pointing out like the social pressures they face i don't know it's hard to say if it's if it was more difficult or less i mean today people are so afraid of being hounded on social media Mm -hmm. oftentimes yeah, or being labeled as judgmental or hateful or closed-minded yeah. or, you know. But it's a, it's a similar, you can kind of relate to that in some ways of feeling like everybody's looking at you and saying, like, you're wrong, you don't know what you're talking about because you're the only one. Um, I wonder if y'all could say, though, a little bit to go back to the movie. Just We talked a little bit about how Terrence Malick relies so much on the visual aspect. Mm-hmm. How, th- this is a film that's, Portray- well, I mean, it's called a hidden life. It's portraying something that's hidden. I mean, so it's about a man's faith, mm-hmm. ultimately, right? I just wonder if you could say a little bit about how you f- how you felt like the film accomplishes revealing something that's hidden, or does it rely heavily on the dialogue in the letters to to reveal that? Because we think of a faith as sort of intellectual and needs to be verbalized. So does how does how does he go about showing this man's struggle? Well, visually, you, the first thing that anyone has to notice about the film is that it's just like really, really gorgeous. Like I've like I've seen it twice with my friends, and like both times, we were, everyone like came out of the theater like, "Wow, Austria is very." I want to go there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it all the film also opens with a bla- with black, right? Mm-hmm. Black screen. 
So you're kind of like, uh, like my husband, there's no way. When I was like, yeah, let's come see this with me. He's like, no way. (laughs) So it's that style where, you know. Sort of important. The the title of the film comes from this quote from Middlemarch, which is displayed at the end of the film. If I if, if I remember correctly, it's um the it's it's the the very last sentence of the novel when Elliot returns to her initial theme of comparing the protagonist Dorothea to Saint Teresa of Avila and meditating on what what sort of passion a person like Saint Teresa has, like how much power and personality and drive they have to like accomplish a really powerful epic thing um like do something like truly heroic and that's the, that's the sort of person that she sees saint teresa as being and throughout her novel she portrays dorothea as having that same kind of drive but having um lived out her life very quietly not having accomplished a great heroic work but simply lived her life very normally and quietly in a hidden way so what Elliot says is that the the world is a much better place because many people have lived a hidden life and that passion is sort of funneled into simply living their life well and being a good influence on everyone around them mm-hmm. and I think like that's really, you know, that's what Malik, it seems like, wants to push. Mm-hmm. That, obviously, it's the title of the film. It's pretty explicit. That when he's showing this, th- there's so many shots of the life of this family in Austria farming. And really, you know, like, they're keeping to themselves, right? Um, and there's not... Blessed Franz does not, like, go out of his way to do anything, to... He's not, like, protesting or something. Right. He is just trying to follow his conscience. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he doesn't lead an army, and he doesn't become a political leader. He doesn't do any of that. He simply will not do what he sees as evil and suffers for that. And that's something that takes tremendous passion and tremendous faith and one thing i was very surprised about the film i was a bit pessimistic going in to see it the first time she's like i like i was a little familiar with malik and i knew he had sort of heideggerian preoccupations and you know his own sort of spiritual positions um and i was worried that the story of blessed franz would be sort of like co-opted like sort of made made less evidently Christian, mm-hmm. made less a story of a man who takes his strength from his faith in Christ um, and because of his faith is able to do great things. Um, and we would become a little distant from that, what, what I guess we take to be the reality. And I don't think that happened. I, th- I, th- I think like in the film, it's very evident over and over again how central the life of prayer and the life of faith are to um, Blessed Franz and his family. And it's very evident that that's where they derive their strength from, Mm -hmm. that he understands what he suffers as suffering with Christ, that he understands that any cross that he is given 
will become a crown of glory if he serves God justly. Mm-hmm. And so that was, I thought, like very, very clearly displayed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I want to dovetail on what Chris said about like all the shots of working on the farm because that's what hit me, right? So you have these beautiful shots of Austria and the wind, right? So the visual or the audio, right, of wind and the sounds and the tinkling of the bells around the cow's necks and all of those things. But you also have, I mean, there's the muck and the dirt and the carrying of water and, you know, all of that, the difficulties, the hard work. I kept thinking, thank God I don't live during that time. You know, like, wow, the hard work it is just to feed your family and get through daily life, right? And that, I think, I think the film elevates, like, the everyday person living their life and living the Christian life, right? Mm -hmm. Even like that translates into modern times, right? So the daily, like the commute, doing your work, whether you're, you know, most people don't work for the church or do some, you know, something like that, like we are fortunate enough to do, serve the church, right? But just any, any work, right? You're doing that to take care of your family, to serve in some way your fellow man, right? And just the 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 blessing that work is, but also the sacrifices you do to do that is to some degree, like when you are faithful to that, it's just you're living out that the the sacredness of work almost, right? The sacrifices you make to take care of your family. And so the everyday Christian does not need to be a hero, but you're still called to to the interior hidden heroics, I think, that Franz Jaeger's daughter lived out, right? I mean, like as mm-hmm. Chris said, he didn't begin a revolt. He didn't join some army. He didn't meet secretly, you know, form the Austrian version of the IRA. Like he just lived his life daily and just wanted to be left alone. But he still worked hard to, um, he, when it came down to it, made the choice for according to what his conscience led him, how his conscience led him to act. I mean, I don't know if this speaks to what y'all are saying, but I do think that a common theme in some of these films is this idea of like of holiness in the ordinary. And I'm sometimes wary of that because the emphasis is on gets put on the ordinary, mm-hmm. you know. And part of why I have liked his films is that it actually does the opposite and makes mm-hmm. the ordinary seem like where you can see the transcendent behind the ordinary rather than the opposite, rather than making bringing the transcendent down, he, to me, seems like he shows things in a way that how things can be elevated. And I think partly what you're saying, Chris, is that another worry that you can have with that kind of a theme, like if you're from a theology or philosophy perspective, is that you so present this in a universalizing type of way, whereas we're seeing this as, and it's particular, like it, he in the case of Blessed Franz, he's, it's not just that he like, he tapped into the spiritual energy that's available everywhere. He mm-hmm. was, no, he was connected to Jesus Christ through the Catholic Church. And that was like, mm-hmm. that was the source of, of this power to live a holy mm-hmm. life in ordinary, for most of his life, ordinary circumstances that then became extraordinary because of circumstances beyond his control. And then the, the power of that holiness sort of is put on display in a way 
I don't know if this is kind of what y'all are getting at, but mm. it's no, that was good. So I wonder actually to kind of like wrap this up as a final question. You know, if you could, if there's anything else you would want to add in terms of how you respond to the film as a Catholic. I mean, Chris, you apparently liked it if you saw it, you've seen it twice. Yeah, um, but he also saw Tree of Life three times, and yeah. <laughs> that was not by of his own volition. I get the sense. <laughs> but what was it that it's different than some of these other films, and and. Frankly, I mean, we don't often get the chance to see a major motion picture where the feature is mm-hmm. one of our own and he's being shown as a Catholic, you know? Like, sometimes you may get something about a saint but mm-hmm. put into very secularized terms, like, oh, Francis of Assisi yeah, is Francis actually Francisco just an environmentalist or something like that, you know? <laughs> right, like, yeah, yeah. But here we got, like, one of our own. I don't know. Did it did it challenge you as a Catholic, or did it, uh, or was it just did it lead you to wonder or to gratitude for God's grace of that He like did this for this person and He can do God can do great things um, still. Like I don't know. How do you yeah. how did you respond? So I guess I have two dis- distinct responses to that prompt. That first of all, one thing I really appreciated about the film was it seems like in many ways a response to um martin scorsese's silence in in silence of course the um the priests are pressed by the official in nagasaki and pressed to apostatize Mm -hmm. and eventually andrew garfield's character does Mm mm-hmm Oh, spoiler. I haven't seen it I'm yet. Sorry. That's okay. I read the book. I don't remember. Okay. And a lot of the arguments in Silence are very similar to those in The Hidden Life. Um, okay. For example, when Franz's lawyer is arguing with him, it's very, very similar um, to the arguments in Silence. Do you think this is deliberate? I don't know, but it's... You, are know, they bu- it, you think they're buddies? Isn't Terrence, Terrence Malick like Italian or something? Is is he, he no, he's American. Oh, he is? Okay. Yeah, um, yeah. He went to school in Texas. That's that's another reason I don't mm-hmm. like him. Oh, kind of yeah, Texas. Texan. But a, a lot of the arguments proceed along very similar lines. You know, those lines being that um, really you're not, you're, you're not winning anything by being obstinate in this. Nothing here really matters. You just need to do this one thing and then all this will go away. It's actually going to be better. Um, if you do this, etc. And it's it seemed like displaying the way in which Blessed Franz is able to overcome that, to, to not like succumb to these, in some way, diabolical arguments. Mm-hmm. And it, he maintains his center um, and his courage in the face of all this. That was really, to me, the most sort of in terms of seeing like really Catholic representation in any sort of media. Mm-hmm. That to me was really because pr- precisely because I think a lot of times w- w- when you see a lot of this stuff, w- when Catholicism comes up in TV or movies or whatever, you get the sense that the people making it don't don't really understand what it means to really believe, right? That, they want to make you a general humanist in some way. Like, right. Oh, well, really, the true faith would be to commit right. an apostasy to save others. Exactly. Uh-huh. Right. That would be like, and, and from my understanding is that that is not even what what the way the film and the book display the dynamics there is not what actually happened. That like, because this idea, though, that like ultimately it, everything boils down to, you know, loving other people. Right. 
And so to be truly loving, you would be even willing to renounce your faith if, if to save somebody else. But it's like, that's not even what they did back then, mm-hmm. you know? So anyway, but go on. Sorry and, you know, Blessed Franz has all these arguments from his lawyer, from the other people in the village, from his priests, that like, you need to give this up. You're being prideful. You, you need to do what is materially best for your family, which is obviously for you to be with them, for you to be free, not in prison. And he really, by like very explicitly by his faith, resists these Mm -hmm. um, and he goes to his death. So that's one thing that I think, right, the thing that I always feel is lacking when there's religious representation in media is like people making it clearly can't really take seriously like someone actually just believes this right on on, on the base level um it's sort of it's almost always understood as a way in which a more general or universalizable humanism Mm -hmm. is being expressed and then you create drama by pointing out the conflicts within mm-hmm. you know can can the faith really be good if it is not humanistic in this way so that that was one thing that i really liked and the other thing just i guess my last thought is that the film really did seem to me like a prayer the thing i thought over and over again as i was watching it was from the psalms the lord is high above all nations and his glory is above the heavens who is like unto the lord our god who dwelleth on high and regardeth the things that are lowly in heaven and on earth. It really seemed to, to, to my eyes, place the viewer in that, in that relationship to God that the Psalms also imply, and that you, you partake of by reciting the Psalms. The place where God is both completely transcendent and all-powerful. Um, you, 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 know, you, you have these great shots of the seasons changing and the weather changing. Um, he sendeth the snow like wool. He scattereth the hoarfrost like ashes. He sendeth the ice like morsels who is able to abide his frost. So all, all, like all of that, but he's also completely intimate. He's also in the lowliest things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the psalmist has complete faith in his own relationship with God, his intimacy with God. Wow, God is sovereign over all things mm-hmm. above all nations and so i thought that was really really evident in in the filmmaking in the plot of the film um obviously in, in the portrayal of blessed franz and family and th- that was the really powerful thing for me mm-hmm. that it it seemed to really like occupy that space of the absolute transcendence of God and his true intimacy to the lowliest things mm-hmm. and the great power that comes from that. Well, that fits with what Mary was saying about the these kind of majestic sweeping shots that mixed in with the muck and the toil and, mm-hmm. and all mm-hmm. of that, the, the, like, that both of these things Ugh. are in the same. So muddy, yeah. Well, and so muddy. One th- <laughs> oh, my, so, the mud, oh my gosh. And the, <laughs> ugh. I mean, great, but, you know, whew. Well, I want to ask and, you one more question. Though. Oh, wait, That's no, like, oh, one oh, more thought. Want, no, okay, I just sorry, want sorry, to say, <laughs> okay, so I just, we haven't talked yet about the beautiful re- marriage they had. And I just mm-hmm. want to point that out because, um, you know, Chris and I had this pre, uh, we prepped a little bit, Aaron, we talked about oh, okay. this before we got in here. We, we do prep listeners, <laughs> but, um, like Aaron was sharing that, like 
from his understanding, it was it was um, Fanny Fanny's faith. Fanny. Like she that she um, her faith led to his conversion. Yes. Right. And so that to me did not stick out in the film. That that is not part of the the plot of the movie. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, the movie, but. Um, but you see their beautiful relationship, their beautiful marriage, and like one of the one of the beautiful scenes that's actually in the trailer is when he returns from his first um, mm-hmm. training session, and she spies him from down the path, and they embrace, and it's this this very beautiful romantic scene mm-hmm. um, where that she's just she's gl- so glad to have him back, but then then you almost see on her face and both of them this realization that like gosh, wow, he, this is not the end. He could very well be mm-hmm. gone again. So this bittersweet re, uh, reunion. But what was beautiful also was the scene in the when he was in prison, and it was the last final chance he had to sign this oath to the the, the Reich. And and they have this, oh, I wish I had the, the script in front of me, but they have this exchange where basically he, it's this, she gives him the permission to not sign. It's almost like, I don't know. It was this beautiful moment where she accepted who he was and accepted that loving him meant he had to he was going to he was going to die mm-hmm. for his this stance that he was taking. And I just I think it was just this undertone of, you know, while he was away, she kept the farm going. She kept the raise the children and and she had support from her sister and her grandmother who lived with them also but so i think that just the 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 beauty of their marriage is not something i think that should get lost in the film and and just their relationship and that it was it was based in faith and unconditional mm-hmm. love and i just i think that's something that to be um reflected upon if if you if you see the film i mean this has been on my radar for a while but i have three young children myself which means i Take them with you. No, never no, go no. to the to the movie plex. As it yeah. Were. No, I'll have to wait to watch it at home. But I'm definitely I've been looking forward to it. So this has been and this has only made me look forward to it more. Any last words before we close out? Well, I would just say if you're going to see the film, just be prepared. Use the restroom in advance. Settle in for. I would say just do some deep breathing, relax, settle in. It's more of a, a, a meditation and a prayer, I think, like yeah. Chris said, right? Like or meditative films e- to be to go deep and just you know to to be in the the mood. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing it, Chris. Thank you so much for coming to talk with us. I hope this isn't the last time you join us. Yeah, thank you for having me, Mary. Yes, thank you. Thanks for going and seeing this on our. On behalf of the podcast. Absolutely. Happy to represent in the theaters for the First Freedom Podcast. Yes. (laughs) I'm Aaron Weldon. And I'm Mary McCleskey. And thank you for joining us for this episode of the First Freedom Podcast. (laughs) 